Hello and welcome to Stock Stories, episode 62. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to Stock Stories. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And what are the tools that we use to do that? Well, we go through case studies of actual companies, companies that have employees that are generating revenue, hopefully generating profit out there in the world that are providing goods and services that people use on a daily basis. And we look at them and we try to understand what are the aspects that make them successful as investments, not just as companies, but as investments for us, right? It's no good if a company is great, but we don't make any money from it as investors. That kind of defeats the purpose. But also, we want to look at mental models. What are the philosophical ideas that can bring us closer to investing success and not just investing success, but I think you'll find that as we go through these mental models, they apply to many areas of life, not just within our portfolio. So last week we went through a mental model survivorship bias. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And today we're going to talk about another tech IPO. It seems to be tech IPO season right now on wall street And I just thought it would just be fun to go through a different company. Let's go through a younger, fast-growing company, a little bit different than the ones that we normally cover here on the podcast since we typically go through S&P 500 companies. But let's talk about another high-flying tech startup. Let's talk about Zoom Communications. All right, so Zoom Communications. This is ticker symbol ZM. What is Zoom? If you never heard of Zoom, they are a video-based communications platform that allow people to connect one-on-one or one-to-many or many-to-many in basically in-person meetings. So in-person meetings via video. Think about this as FaceTime for businesses, (laughs) essentially is kind of how I think about it. Uh, So yeah, at its core, it's a video communication company. And unlike previous services that use this technology, it's kind of like FaceTime on steroids or say Google Hangouts or Google Duo on steroids. You can have literally hundreds of meeting participants at once and you don't need any special devices to use the software. It's a cloud-based platform. Uh, So you don't have to think that hard about having the right equipment. You just connect and you go. And that's been pretty much the philosophy of Zoom from the beginning. So let's start there at the beginning. Zoom was founded by a man named Eric Yuan, and he was a vice president and lead engineer for Cisco Systems, specifically a subsidiary called WebEx. 
And this was a early video conferencing subsidiary of Cisco. And so he worked on this technology several years ago. Well, in 2011, he decided to start Zoom on his own. And he teamed up with some other people and started to create the company in order to create this video-based communication platform. And by 2013, Zoom had grown phenomenally. So Zoom had a million customers and connected over 4,000 meetings. And the business model of this company is they use a subscription service. So they charge $9.99 per month and allow cross-platform connection via the cloud. So basically, if a business wants to connect internally with their own teams, they can pay for this service. If businesses want to connect with other businesses, they can use this service. It's just another way to connect specific to video. And by 2014, mobile screen sharing was added and the customers grew to 10 million. And keep in mind, this is between 2013 and 2014. They went from 1 million to 10 million in a year. That's massive growth, 10x growth in a single year of their customer base. And another year later, by 2015, they had 40 million customers, 40 million users. And so this is massive growth showing how technology companies, the level of scalability is incredible. And that's why Wall Street, that's why investors get tend to get really excited about these types of companies because they can just grow so fast because of their platform because of the internet really between 2015 and 2017 zoom ended up raising over 100 million dollars in capital from private investors and venture capital and this is kind of the natural progression of funding that many companies go through before they have an initial public offering If you recall, in our Lyft episode, we talked a little bit about the process and how a lot of companies that are young, well, once they've proven revenue growth, they tend to attract a lot of uh, private money, people who want in on the deal. And so they partnered with a company called Polycom in 2017. If you've never heard of Polycom, they are one of the biggest suppliers of equipment, video conferencing equipment to corporations. And and Zoom basically added functionality to pair with their hardware in a more seamless fashion. So that's something that they did. And then just this month in April 2019, Zoom ended up completing an IPO on the NASDAQ. And the shares went up an incredible 72% in a single day think about that. Imagine owning shares of Zoom and pre-IPO and then having an IPO and your investment going up 72% in a single day. That's incredible. This is why Wall Street gets excited about IPOs is because often the gains come very quickly. And in order to complete the IPO, Zoom ended up issuing over 242 million shares of Class A stock in order to do this. Um, So, what is Zoom's case for their business? I've already said a little bit about what the product is, but why do they think that they're going to be successful in the future? This is especially important with a very young company that hasn't established itself that much yet, is what are the future growth projections and what are the reasons for those growth projections? Well, here are some of Zoom's reasons from their most recent SEC filings. 
One is that there are more millennials in the workforce. And guess what? We millennials, we want better technology in the businesses that we work in. I can say this myself as a millennial, someone who works, and I want technology to work and I want it to be smooth and streamlined. And I don't want to use old processes that slow business down. I want to be more efficient. So that's one broader trend that's happening. Another is the increased distribution of employees. A lot of people work remote now. That used to not be a thing before the internet became widely available and laptops became cheaper. There's a whole bunch of factors that play into that. But companies' workforces are becoming increasingly distributed across geographies. It's not just everybody sitting in a one office building at the same time anymore. Another is that video in and of itself is a very rich form of interaction. Uh, Organizations want deeper engagement with their employees. They want deeper engagement with their customers. And the next best thing to being in person with someone is to talk to them via video. You can get all of the visual context You can get audio along with that. The only thing you don't get is that third dimension interaction when you're in person with someone. Uh, And so video really is the next best thing. And until really, until about a decade ago, it wasn't really possible to do this very well. Internet connections were slow. uh, Software and hardware didn't talk to each other that well. Data was really expensive and not that commonplace as far as mobile devices yet. And so video conferencing was a thing, but it wasn't widespread. And Zoom really made this a mainstream thing. Another thing is that the quality and ease of use of these tools are really important. If it takes 30 minutes for me to figure out how to dial you in to a video meeting, then I'm probably not going to do it (laughs) more than once or twice. I'm probably just going to say, hey, let's just do a phone call or, hey, when's the next time you can come over to my building and we can set up a meeting in a conference room and physically talk to each other? Probably going to give up. But if the operation is more or less frictionless, then, yeah, I'm going to jump at that because it's a very quick way to connect. So let's look at the numbers. How is Zoom actually doing? So they've provided three years of financial data in their recent SEC filings, and The revenue growth, that's the exciting part. 2016, they had $60 million in revenue. 2017, they had $151 million in revenue. And in 2018, they had $330 million in revenue. So this is a fast-growing business, no doubt about that. That's over 134% annual growth in revenue. Crazy. The operating cash flow looks almost the same. It's 133% annual growth from $9.4 million in 2016 to $51.3 million in 2018. This is a business that's growing very fast. But again, just like Lyft, I have a problem with it because the profitability until recently hasn't really been there. So the net income in 2016 was negative 14 million. And in 2017, it was negative 8 million. And then 2018 was about zero. So the business has turned that point. It's made that break-even point. I expect the 2019 numbers to come back as profitable, officially net income profitable, and then for it to go up from there. So this is a profitable business. 
it just took a few years to be that way. And so the earnings per share right now is $0.00. (laughs) But with a lot of growth, that's still a business that is worth something. That intrinsic value is definitely there because the profitability is coming and it's being proven right now. As far as the balance sheet goes, there's nothing that exciting going on. Uh, There's $176 million in combined cash and securities. There's convertible preferred stock on the liability side of $159 million. Nothing that crazy. It's relatively simple balance sheet information that's been given at this point in time. Um, And that's usually the way it is with younger, especially tech startups. There's not a lot of capital expenditures. There's not a lot of debt involved. There's usually just cash on the balance sheet, shares being issued out to directors. It's not as complicated as it could be, which is kind of nice from an analysis standpoint. So this is a fast-growing business, uh, but it's still not that profitable. It They barely started making money in the single millions of dollars range. This is definitely not a multi-billion dollar enterprise quite yet, but it has the potential to get there. The basic offering of their service, as far as their products go, is free, but it limits the attendees and the time you can use the software. So that's how their business model works. They kind of get you in with a free trial, and then they sell you on monthly or annual subscriptions, and mostly to businesses. This is not so much private individuals, because you can just use an existing tool on your phone like FaceTime or Duo. But for businesses that want something pretty reliable and robust at scale, Zoom tends to work really well. As of 2019, there were over 344 customers that contributed over $100,000 in revenue. And in 2018, that number was only 143. So Zoom has been growing not just their overall revenue, but their number of customers that are paying more on an annual basis for their services. About 30% or so of the money that they make is from large businesses with yearly or multi-year contracts. And the rest is made up of small to mid-sized businesses that pay for their services. Another thing that I found interesting was that even though this is a U.S.-based business primarily, they do still get 18% of their revenue from Asia, Europe, Middle East, Africa, as far as the most recent fiscal year. So this is an international business as well. It's not just confined to the United States. So I kind of like that. There's good potential for growth there. The trend as far as sales and marketing is something I noticed in the income statement. About 50% of their revenue tends to go into sales and marketing year after year. And to me, this makes sense at this phase because they're still not uh, massively huge, but they are, uh, they're growing fast and they need to maintain market share. They need to maintain that growth. So reinvesting into sales and marketing makes sense to me when you're a younger business and you're trying to get everybody to know about your product. Uh, So even with that said, their gross margins are incredible. Their gross margin is consistently about 80%, which means that for every dollar of revenue they make, their actual cost of revenue is very low. And even though they have a lot of expenses after that that make their net margin a lot smaller, uh, that 
that means that it doesn't actually cost them a lot of upkeep on their infrastructure in order to make more money. That's a good sign. They don't pay dividends. There's no buybacks. This is a new company as far as the public markets are concerned. So none of that can contribute to our return as investors. It's all going to be growth of profit. That's what's going to drive the share price of this business. And so they actually make uh, no money as far as their earnings per share, but their share price is about $62 a share right now. So what is that on a PE basis? It's basically infinity (laughs) because you can't divide by zero. Uh, But uh, this, assuming they earn one cent or two cents per share, that's still an astronomical price earnings multiple. I mean, it's it's way too hyped up right now. And this is, I think, just because it's been IPO'd in the past week as I'm recording this. So this is the lesson. Make sure that you don't pay too much for growth because the what investors are doing now, I think, I think there are some people out there that are probably valuing this company intelligently, but I do think that there are also a lot of people out there that are just buying because it's the hot new thing and they want to get in on the, the new growth story. So be careful with companies like this, especially in early phases. Another lesson that I wanted to bring up before I close on this is that make sure when you're buying a company, you buy the right company. It sounds really stupid, but it can happen. So Zoom uh, Communications, which is the company we're talking about, has a ticker symbol ZM. There is another company called Zoom Technologies, which is a ticker symbol ZOOM, that is actually a different company altogether. And not only is it a different company, but it's a penny stock. Now, if you had bought this company say a week or two weeks or a month ago, or actually say you bought it a month ago, 30 days ago, as of right now, you would have gained 56,000% on your investment. Presumably because people thought in the past several days that Zoom Technologies was in fact Zoom Communications when those were two completely different companies. And this company, Zoom Technologies, is not profitable. They're basically, they were trying to get delisted actually from the public markets. But lo and behold, their stock price went up by an insane amount. Uh, So make sure you buy the right company. This happened several years ago with Twitter. There is another company called Tweeter Communications, which sounds very similar to Twitter. And people ended up buying Tweeter Communications thinking it was Twitter. And yeah, you just want to make sure you're actually buying the right asset. What good is it for you to do all this research to figure out the company you want to buy, and then you type in the wrong ticker symbol, you end up buying something you didn't want to buy. Uh, And maybe that speculation performs well for you, maybe it doesn't, but the point is you're not getting what you think you're getting. So make sure you pay attention, please pay attention to the ticker symbols when you place that, that order on your broker service. It matters. All right, that's all I had to say about Zoom Communications. (laughs) It's a great company. Uh, again, it's just really still too early to tell. How much do you pay for growth? I don't know. But you don't pay an infinite price. I do know that. So I'll leave you with that. And I will see you next week.
information presented here on Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.